So long as you write what you wish to write, that is all that matters. And whether it matters for ages or only for hours, nobody can say. Virginia Woolf. Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for women's voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past six years. We want to share the stories of women in their own words. So today's podcast is a celebration of our most recent book, So Long As You Write, which is a collection of stories, essays and poems by women on writing. It's supported by funding from Arts Council England, and it really feels like Dear Damsel's manifesto, exploring what happens when women put pen to paper and share our words in a world where we're often made to feel that our stories aren't worth being told. In this episode, we're going to be telling you lots more about the book and talking you through its creation. We're also going to be sharing readings of some of the brilliant pieces in the book, and we're going to be hearing from you in an interesting way all about the power of writing. But first, Bridie picked a quote by Virginia Woolf. Why did you pick this quote, Bridie? Well, as is probably very obvious, um, this quote inspired the title for the book. So me and Abby, we had a meeting in a pub, like, I can't even remember what year. I remember some football on because we had like a pack of lads in the corner of the pub cheering at this football screen where we were talking about our next book. And we knew we wanted it to be about writing. Like we knew we wanted it to be sort of something that celebrated all that Dear Damsels had become and what we achieved over the last sort of five, six years, because that's how long we've been doing this, which is quite insane. So I always think about the line that's in the blurb, which is that the collection is the perfect place to turn to for a reminder that it doesn't matter who's reading, so long as you write. And that's the whole purpose, really, like the fact of writing, the fact of creating, the fact of doing your own creative practice is the purpose. So I think that's really, really, like really encompass exactly what we're trying to achieve the collection. So good old Virginia. Um, and we sadly have not been best kind to her because we got amazing totes made um, with this quote on. They look beautiful, apart from there's a slight spelling mistake on the tote bag, uh, which we have been very clear about, but the tote bag is really lovely. So I'm sure she's fine with a little bit of poetic licensing on her name. I'm sure she doesn't care as much as the actual like beautiful quote is on the bag in its perfect form. So sorry, Virginia. That's a nice way to think of Virginia Woolf as really <laughs> believing that the most important thing is her words, not her name, not, <laughs> not how you spell name. her name. Not, <laughs> not um, the spelling. Yeah, but we have to say that the tote is extremely sturdy. It's a beautiful tote, so we hope that won't put people off. Also, Kerry, lovely Kerry Ryan, the editor of this collection, really was brilliant about this and was all about how you know, we've got to embrace these mistakes. We're not perfect. That's it's a really big part, I think, of like Kerry's ethos. And so and so the tote bag lives on in that in that ethos. Yeah, and they are brilliant tote bags. Like they truly are. And they fit about four copies of the book in them. So, you know, we're really happy about it. Oh, Sorry, I can attest that they fit like twenty because I've used All it right. to go to the post office. <laughs> so honestly, now. they're real they're real sturdy. <laughs> they're great totes. And it's a great quote. Um and 
handpicked by you, Brady. I think you did such a good job. I mean, it. yeah, and... I will take the I'll take the credit for the name because everyone keeps telling us how good a name it is. I was like, thanks, that was me. <laughs> I will claim this for my win. We're going to start by talking about how So Long As You Write came to be and what we sort of envisioned the book to be from that first meeting in that loud football pub. Um, Inherently, we really wanted the collection to encourage women writers to tell their stories. And in our mind, and also in a lot of what we've said so far about the book, is that we really want it to be something that sits on desks, that's tucked alongside notebooks, that's a well-thumbed resource that people can return to time and time again for encouragement, support and inspiration when it's most needed. But we sort of spoke quite a lot about what you need to know or what kind of things we would like to know when we started our own writing process and practice. And working with Kerry, um, we tried to drill that down into a book structure. (laughs) So we split it into five sections, which are how to be a writer, finding your voice, writing practice, inner critic and be courageous. And these were all stages that take the reader through the creative process and the mental stages of writing and creating. Yeah, and Kerry was a big part of the conversations about what those sections should be called. We had like a rough idea before we had the pieces to work with and and we kind of shaped, then did some further shaping of each section around kind of the, the words themselves. Um, yeah, just on that, I just remembered that we had a meeting, um, I thought it would be quite funny, to share where we had the list of things and we couldn't get the last chapter name right. Like, we just couldn't do it. And I think Kerry, I mean, you know, like, if you're familiar with Kerry, she's a very amazing, loud, Scottish woman. And she just went, be courageous, just yelled it on the call. And it was like 9am on a Tuesday. And I think me and Abby really appreciated that enthusiasm in that moment. So, yeah, she's a really brilliant part of the whole process, really. Yeah, we wanted that something that brought together that idea of sharing your work with a community. And yeah, that was the perfect way to bring together the the specific pieces we had in that last chapter, wasn't it? But yeah, we couldn't have created uh, the book. It wouldn't be the same book without Kerry being the editor. She not only helped us select the pieces that would go into the book, she also wrote a brilliant introduction to the book. You now hold a community of women in your hands. This is your community, a place of refuge, a safe space to retreat to when times are tough and the words won't come. When energy is waning and hope dips, open this book and hear these voices sing. This unique anthology of essays, stories and poetry contains songs of protest, resistance and resilience that harmonise into a collective roar. You can do it. So Long As You Write is the kind of collection I longed for when I began writing. Instead, what I had to do was gather together the essays and interviews, the poetry and prose of the feminist authors I loved and save them into one big doc in my MacBook. It was messy and rough, but it was a resource I could turn to in times of need. Those women told me I had a right to write. They told me my voice mattered. They told me that a word after a word was power. They told me that all I had to do was keep writing, keep reading, and one day it would get easier. They told me there would be joy, and they were right. I raised a community on the foundation of those women's work. I took everything I learned and passed it on to my students. And as those students developed in their own practice, their words, their grace and determination encouraged and inspired me. Women supporting women supporting women. 
which is exactly what you'll find in this collective of voices you now hold. At the heart of everything that Write Like a Girl, the collective of writers I founded and Dear Damsels do is community. This collaboration stands testament to that passion and commitment. Yes, writing is a solitary act. Yes, it can be difficult and frustrating, but community can offer the spiritual support we need. If writing is an act of faith, others help us believe, others help us take the leap. When we are alone, we can get lost, carried away with our own thoughts and fears. In community, we see aspects of our own life reflected back to us, and it gives us strength, it gives us hope. We are emboldened. In this collection, you'll find four sections. How to be a writer, finding your voice, the inner critic and being courageous. You'll discover writing that is imaginative, moving and often funny as hell. These stories, poems and essays track the whole spectrum of the writing life, from the highs to the lows, from page to the stage and to the shelves of Waterstones. They demonstrate how courage is not the absence of fear, but the capacity to move ahead in spite of fear. Throughout the anthology you'll find my writing tips. Perhaps the most important is be an authority. In my experience this is what we struggle with the most, and is it any wonder? Globally women are paid less, promoted less, expected to carry the burden of unpaid caregiving, have their reproductive rights controlled, are more likely to experience sexual harassment and domestic violence and to live in poverty with less access to education. And this is before factoring in class, race, ethnicity and disability. There are too many countries where women don't have equal standing in a court of law. Being an authority is not norm. This is why your words matter. Each story you write, every poem and essay is a song of protest, no matter which keeps sung in or the form it takes. Writing is rebellion. It's a political act, a refusal to be silenced. So write. Be an authority. Keep this book by your bedside table or your desk to pick up whenever you waver. Come close. Closer. Put your ear to the page and listen. Hear your community sing. And not only did Kerry write a brilliant introduction, she also there's also an essay by Kerry herself in the inner critic section of the book. Kerry is always, she's a real um, authority on uh, the inner critic and has a lot of wise words to share on it. So there's no better person to write an essay about how to deal with your own inner critic and that negative inner voice than her. Yeah, and also to give an insight into how we selected those pieces of writing that make up the book uh, with Kerry. We, all of our books have around have a similar structure. We somehow forged it for that first let me know when you're <laughs> home and it proved perfect. So we've really it worked not... well, you know, we yeah. teach old dog new tricks. Like it's a, it's a good solid, it means we get a lot of different perspectives on quite an overarching subject, I think. And it also... Yes everything feels quite individualised while being under one umbrella. So, we, you know, we keep it. We keep it as a structure. Yeah, so it's 15, 15 or 16 pieces, three pieces in each of those five chapters. Um, but for this book, it was a little bit different because we, um, as well as having an open submissions period, which is where we get all of our words from for all of our books so far, we combined that with um, approaching a few established writers because we, we sometimes get established writers coming through the open submissions period, but obviously the, the kind of focus of that is to get everybody and anybody, you know, sharing their words who is in the name of open submission period, anybody is open to all. And so um, we also wanted to reflect kind of the words of writers from all different kinds of stages in the writing journey. And so we have a few published writers in there, some of whom we'll hear from 
a little bit later in this episode. So yeah, we've got emerging, I'm doing quote marks, <laughs> emerging writers, you know, that phrase, established writers. And um, I love that they're all in there together talking about writing and the same kind of honesty and openness. So yeah, yeah that was how we made the book. Yeah, I think we're also quite lucky that we've got um, quite a few perspectives in there. So we've got you know, short story writers, we've got poets, we've got performance poets, we've got people who run their own communities, we've got a publishing and editor perspective as well. So it's really quite a spectrum of writing, uh, and, but also more widely creating. I think that's something we really wanted to talk about generally. It's not just the acts of writing which is obviously a huge part of writing but also the idea of putting you know giving yourself that space sitting down letting yourself express yourself and your creativity through this way and what we have always believed at Dead Amsels is that writing is one of the best ways for you to express yourself and have your voices heard so it was really great to through that open submission period I think it was our most popular submission period so far um we had over 100 submissions which was so good but it was also just so difficult to whittle it down because of how personal writing is to everybody but we did it and we have 15 as Abby says 15 brilliant contributors and we're going to be hearing from them now as they read from their contributions to the book so the first reading is from Marianne Tatipo um I said what I said opens our chapter on finding your voice and it's an essay about the complicated relationship we can have with our voice how it can be interpreted as fiery or outspoken how people think you're brave to speak up and what you choose to express about yourself At 18, you are years away from interrogating power. You get close to someone, really close. He leans in all the way when you reveal you're studying literature and have tailored a big portion of your life around the written word. He loves to write, he says. He sometimes types out sonnets that he texts you via BBM. You coo, you cheer. You are in a writing workshop. You are writing songs. The workshop facilitates your first and perhaps last ever attempt at autofiction as you document the Gossip Girl-esque cast of characters you meet during your university years. Their quirks, their vices. Using a prompt given by your lecturer, you write about the experience of leaving home for the first time. It is clunky, it is trite, but it is something and it is yours. Once you share a song with this boy, you care about. All he does is laugh. You don't take it to heart until you tell him about the project you'd like to start, the writing chronicling those precious years of your life. He mocks the very idea that you could ever see something through. In your time together, you never so much as pick up a pen. You spend a portion of your time together unable to enjoy the sound of music, forgetting the downward pool of sticky floors and the uplifting appeal of live music. Your bowl. All you can hear is his wicked cackle as you realize the pathetic smallness of your turning to him, saying, Look at what I've made. And you feel less like a child showing pasta art and more like an infant whose only way to express itself is cry. Eventually, you begin to remember who the fuck it is you are. And who you are is someone who loves to think, to question, to write, to dance to music. To fill the air with lyrics from Arctic Monkeys, Metronomy, Animal Collective. You are someone who believes in the people around her as well as herself. Who is unafraid to voice what she thinks. Who 
who is excited when exchanging theories, thoughts and comments about a piece of art. So where did you go? And when did girlfriend become your Homeric epithet? Our inner critic chapter is full of writing that helps deal with the self-criticisms and doubts that can stand in the way of a creative practice. Charlotte Temple's piece, Born Started Out as Branches, is a short story about a writer, a tree, and roots that keep sprouting. But obviously, this is a really strong metaphor for the main themes of the chapter. Thorns start out as branches. In March, a week after Ruth's debut novel published in paperback, the hawthorn tree at the highest point of her garden was pulled out by a digger. She had initially asked a local gardener to do it. She's got old, he said. Prone her back. She'll be no trouble. No, Ruth said. My new writing shed is going. She pointed straight into the bunched fist of branches, the spot that looked onto the long tongue of the moor. The man shook his head and glanced behind him. Put it somewhere else, or you'll have trouble with your piskies. Ruth laughed, then frowned. No, this is the view. I need the inspiration, the focus of nature. Her mother had flinched when Ruth told her about the shed. Oh God, she said, putting a hand either side of her face and lowering her voice. You're not getting one of those fake shepherd's huts, are you? Ruth was affronted. Of course not. It's a completely ordinary shed, apart from the skylights and the bifolding French doors. Ruth hoped her mother would understand when she saw it. Well, said her mother, hide yourself out of sight at the bottom of the garden, otherwise people might ask tricky questions about what you're doing in there. When it became clear that the gardener would not help her with the tree, Ruth called someone from town to come and do the job instead. The digger strained. There was a ripping sound like the earth unzipping. The roots let go suddenly and the digger wobbled on its tracks. As the machine reversed, the roots trailed behind like a harrowed hand reaching out to Ruth from the grass. The first morning in her shed, Ruth pulled up her chair and began her new routine with a brief meditation. She then smoothed a clean page, ready for 20 minutes of free writing. She was listening to the hysterics of a woodpecker and staring at the still blank paper when she felt a lump beneath her feet. Towing around, she dropped her head to see under the desk. The floorboards were buckling. She pressed her feet firmly down on the bump, opened her laptop and picked up her phone to check her reviews again. They were still not good. I don't understand, Ruth thought. Outside, the woodpecker's haranguing became louder and louder. No, she told her phone loudly. They do not understand. The following morning, Ruth went into her shed and found a sapling. A few sly inches of tapering wand poked up through a hole where the floorboards had now split. The concrete foundation beneath the shed had cracked and the sapling pushed out of the earth below it. Damn you! She snatched at the sapling to tug it out. Budding thorns nipped her hands as they slid straight along the thin twig. Outside, the wind picked up from nowhere like the high wheeze of a laugh. When Ruth unclenched her hand, she found a pink graze along her heart line. She looked up Hawthorne on her phone. Hagthorn, ladies' meat, pixie pears, healing tree... Oh, please. She took a pair of scissors from the pen pot on her desk and went to snip the stem at its base, but its fibres were too tough, too dense. By the time she'd located secateurs back in the house, she couldn't face going back to her new office. She checked her stars on Goodreads and did some yoga for writers 
instead. It might feel strange to include a piece called How to Hate Writing in a book celebrating writing, but Kate Ferris's essay, which is called Just That, uh, talks about her decision to write 40,000 words in a, is it in a month? Yeah, it's an anaerobic, um, I think. Oh, of course it is. And how that changed her writing practice. So it's a really brilliant piece. I think anybody who is about to embark on a word count goal should read this piece before they do so. Hello, I'm Kate Ferris, and this is an extract from my essay, How to Hate Writing. For context, just before this extract, I set up that this is the story of how one of the worst things I ever did was decide to write 40,000 words in a month. In the first week, I wrote 15,000 words, but I also did no other paid work. In the second week, I'd only written a thousand words by the weekend and slogged my way up to 7,000 in an intense two days. Then, somewhere in the middle, I lost myself. Because it's really not about putting finger to keyboard. That's what they all say. Just write. Just write. Just sit down and write and the words will come. And maybe that's true when you're not trying to write thousands of words a day. And maybe it's also true when you're not on the edge of a breakdown. The trouble is, when you sit down to just write whatever is in your head, when you're on the cusp of a breakdown, you spend hours and hours confronted by everything that has contributed to that breakdown. I observed my heart like a painter holding it dripping and twitching in my palm, examining light and the shadow, noting where it was starting to die. My brain continually mining for whatever wretched story or emotion it could drag up that day, pausing and rewinding each moment, my hands on the keys trying to keep up with the endlessly flickering film reel. I spent all day steeped in everything that had gone wrong and was going wrong and then, for a break, I'd go out for a walk where the pounding of my feet served only to drum home the hopelessness. Later in the essay I write, I've barely written a word since the end of the project. The whole thing made me hate writing. Well, maybe hate is a strong word, but certainly it made me fear it made me scared to excavate again and left me with a general I don't want to about writing. The irony was that my New Year writing goal had been simply to write daily for five minutes or more, just because I wanted to, just for the love of the craft. But this wasn't enough and my lovely little intention became infected by productivity and metastasized into a hulking project that was for something. Yes, in a literal sense, it was for the development of a book, for creating some kind of body of work. But it was also for creating an objective, a usefulness for my own life. It couldn't be for the love of the craft or to simply practice. There had to be a goal, a magnitude. It had to be defining. To write was to define me. And we're so pleased to include an essay from Jane Claire Bradley in the collection. Jane's work, Proof for Book's Sake, and her championing of 
writing communities makes her the perfect writer for an essay in our Be Courageous section, which is the end of the book. The title of the piece probably says it all. The title is Fuck Your Demons and Find Community. So you've found your voice. Or, to put it another way, you've started to build your trust in that voice you've always had. You've clawed through the shit to get to the gold and now you're starting to believe. Your writing needs to be shared. It's an ember glowing inside you and either you dig it out to use as a lantern light or it burns you alive. You find your voice and then you start to use it and that's a thing that frankly can be fucking terrifying. Not just nerve-wracking or scary, but a down-to-the-bones, beyond-words fear that sends danger-danger warnings storming through your body and brain. So, we do what we've been taught. We censor and silence and diminish ourselves. Also known as the most elaborate, invisible, poisonous, cruel and unjust bait-and-switch there's ever been. Because not being heard can just seem so seductively safe, can't it? To not risk it, not face our fears, to not put ourselves in a position where we might be met with rejection, criticism, indifference, humiliation. People getting to glimpse our most hidden secret parts, our dark, weird, messy, rotten, resilient and glorious minds and hearts and souls. Fuck that. Way too exposing. Better to just stay quiet, cosy, polite, well-behaved, slip by unnoticed, and safe. Except, women experience violence every day and it comes in many slippery forms from the subtle, insidious and near-invisible to the most brutal and traumatic. It comes from partners, peers, strangers and the systems we live in. Women have been and continue to be murdered, tortured and burned alive as witches for being poor, for living alone, for being healers or widows, for being queer or old or ugly or disabled. Think back over the past few years. How many women's names are burnt into your consciousness because they were murdered while walking home? Now tell me, do you still feel safe? As Audre Lorde wrote, your silence will not protect you. There is only one thing more frightening than speaking your truth, and that is not speaking. Here's some of how it went for me. A decade ago, I moved back to my home city of Manchester. I'd spent years in Leeds and then London, where I'd slowly found a few keys to the hidden hearts of certain subcultures, secret pulsing places where everything felt alive and raw and important. Through that process, I discovered parts of myself I didn't know were there. I fell head over arse in love with live performance and spoken word, with queer punk and feminist activism, with squat parties and DIY gigs that come to me now in a swirl of howling guitars, distorted vocals, glitter, sweat and smoke. During my last year in London, I'd become part of a makeshift feminist arts collective and started producing events. Until then, I'd strictly stayed part of the audience, intoxicated, energised, envious and terrified, simultaneously dazzled with admiration and sick with longing to be brave enough to claim those stages as my own and even when I started putting events on, I never shared my own work. I could create spaces for other people to share theirs, but standing up and reading my own writing, my weird, stilted, perpetually half-abandoned stories that I knew were both too try-hard and too tentative, that just seemed derivative, dishonest and shit, 
Nami. I moved back to Manchester, on the opposite side of the city to the Salford council estate where I grew up. Maybe now I'll become a real writer, I thought. With my living expenses so much lower than in London, I'll have time to commit to my craft. I researched writing groups and went to rooms in pubs and libraries and church basements, passed round printouts of my work and tried to pretend I wasn't dying inside at the prospect of having them read. No one ever told me how many frogs you have to kiss before you find your prince. No one ever told me not to take my short stories about shagging the devil in a cemetery to the group of lovely middle-class women in their 70s. One of them loved it and gave me a ton of insightful encouragement, but the other seven stared at me as if I was actually Satan and not just someone who fantasised about fucking demons as a creative pastime. I persevered for six more months, taking more and more toned-down versions of my work, but I always got told I was too out there, too unsettling, unpublishable, and not using grammar right either. I stopped going. There were other groups, but I always came out feeling the same, not good enough, not writing about the right things in the right way and not able to even do polite writing chit chat without exposing myself as too loud, too common, too political. Parallel to all this was me coming out again in the city I'd not lived in since my teenage years, rediscovering the underground queer arts community and all its magic. The music, drag and art, an elevated, multifaceted version of that same joyful sense of homecoming I'd found in my earlier adolescent adventures into queer clubbing over a decade before. Then I found a queer writing group for emerging writers under 30. I was six months shy of being too old and at first I grieved that I'd missed my chance. Then I emailed them anyway. Now on the podcast, we usually talk about online offline, which is where we focus on general discussions that are happening in our communities and around it. But we really want to focus specifically offline in this podcast episode to talk about the launch event of So Long As You Write, which was our first in real life event in a really long time. <laughs> I can't think of exactly. I think when we were planning it, me and Abby were like, oh, we were so young then. We were toy, we were like little babies, so proud and really eager to go. And then we've just forgotten all of that confidence that we once had as event. Able boys. to do evening plans as well. Evening plans. After work. After work, just a warm white wine in us, and we were like, let's go. And this time it was not quite like that. But it was still actually a brilliant event. Like, we really, really loved being within our community and people who didn't know who we were, but the fans of Kerry or generally found out about us through Waterstones, who were the hosts of our evening. So we held the event at Waterstones Tottenham Court Road at the end of June. And we had a Q&A with Kerry and performances from some of our writers. And generally, it was just a really brilliant event celebrating the book and also celebrating you know how writing can bring people together and during the event we wanted to encourage our attendees to think a bit more about writing to think a bit deeper than what we have been talking about and to do this we went very DIY and we had some post-it notes and a big bit of plasterboard which is actually our Dear Damsels get together sign if any of you have ever been to any of our events before we've had this event this um, event signed for years and I just flipped it over on the back wrote what does writing mean to you so that was the question that we were asking our audience and we wanted them to respond to it and help us think a bit more deeper about the questions that the book was asking we got some brilliant responses 
like a huge stack of them that have been sitting at my desk since <laughs> the event. And we really wanted to talk them through a bit here as they give an insight into the complex and changing relationships that we could all have with our creative practice and make us think a bit more about how we can best integrate into our lives. So really, I'm just going to go through the list of them and me and Abby are going to go through and pick some pick some that really cool to us and have a little chat about them really because we are writers ourselves so a lot of it does resonate with us but also as um, co-founders of Dear Damsels we've seen this sort of this relationship of writing play out in so much of the writing that we've read and featured on the platform. Mm. We were going to do it a bit like a lucky dip in a hat but now we're reading Friday's typed them out we're just gonna yeah, we're gonna pick them but imagine imagine us with a hat and went out one by one yeah I didn't type them up because my dog tried to eat them that wasn't that wasn't what happened to it was exactly what happened to it but I did manage to preserve them all and they are really really great so the first one that I just wanted us to talk about was um note that says writing means the world to me it's how I make sense of the world and my true self um, this is like something that is shared in quite a few of post-it notes. There's one that is to figure out what I think about the world. And I always find that um, there's a period of time in my life when I wrote a lot of poetry and it was during um, the Trump election. It was during me sort of moving out of my first um, like first full-time job and like trying to find out who I was in the world. I wrote a lot of short poems, some of which have featured on Dear Damsels, um, but I wrote a lot of short poems basically trying to work my way through it, like write it out, try and get that feeling down and process something that at the time felt way much bigger than me. And I don't do it as much nowadays. I'm not sure that's because I'm older, <laughs> probably. But at the time, it really helped me make sense of what was going on around me. And I think that's a really brilliant thing about writing is that it gives you a space to do that and gives you a tool to do that. It's one of those things that we all learn to do, like we all learn to write at school. And if you can apply it in a way that gives you a lot of solace, a lot of comfort, I think it can be a really good tool for self-care, but also a really good way of like self-assessment and like, you know, processing things. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's so nice that they said it means the world to them and it's how they make sense of the world. I really like the idea of like the true self. Um, I did that thing a couple of years ago when you like work out what your like key values are. And one of them, I don't know if I, I, this is one that's like in progress, but I haven't quite got the right word for it, but it's something to do with like integrity and like, under, you know, like getting to like the truth of things. And I think that comes back to why I love writing and reading because it's kind of, yeah, working out um what's real and what's true and like what really resonates with you and yeah for me it's like that's very much what it is and it's working out even like how you really feel because I don't sometimes you don't know how you feel until or what you want to say until you put it into words on a page for me I know that's not true for everyone but for me like I have to pin it down into words on a page before I really know (laughs) I think it's true for lots of people, like journaling and stuff like that. Like, you know, I also think it's nice that you mentioned reading because obviously that is a huge part of your writing practice and also a huge part of so long as you write, like it's a book to be read. I always think about what you said, that I think about like when you're younger, I don't know if you ever did this, but you find quotes or lyrics and you write them on your like homework diary or you like collect loads of quotes and words because you're not at a space where you feel you can reflect yourself yet or you can represent it yourself but when you see something and you're like oh like this is me this is how I feel 
that kind of resonating is so special with writing and mm. that's as a reader and that's also as a writer like either you're the one writing it and you're like oh this is how I feel or you're the reader like this is amazing someone's put this down just for me I think that's really a magical part of the whole process really yeah shall I pick one out yeah well then have a dip I haven't planned this I'm going to pick out I'm going to pick out a short one saying yes to myself I think that's really sweet again like comes down to sort of doing what you want to do and sometimes just like deciding you did this today deciding just to sit down and like spend 30 minutes just writing and kind of taking control of your day in that way can be a really nice way to do something for you and listen to yourself yeah I think that's something that if you ever have the joy of being in one of Kerry's um Kerry's courses so Kerry runs write like a girl which is a set of um, writing courses focuses at women and um, non-binary writers and she's really good at talking about just like five minutes every day, just five minutes, just find it. Everyone has five minutes and just sit down and give yourself that. And that idea of play and writing for play rather than writing for someone, like for an audience. Again, it's like the quote, it doesn't matter who's reading so long as you write. Like it's more about you. It's more about what you're giving yourself through the practice. And if it does resonate with someone, that's brilliant. But inherently, it's about the relationship you have with yourself. I think that's a really nice one to pick. Nice and short, mm. should be on a t-shirt. We should film tote bag. You pick one, Brody. Uh, um, I mean, I really like the first one. Um, sorry, it's say the first one. It's a list that I've written down. But living the dream, literally the dream of my five-year-old self. I think a lot of us, especially within the Daredevil's community and generally rightly people who are in like literary spaces and publishing spaces, were a big reader when they were younger or they used to write loads of things when they were younger. You know, my old family computer had like endless drafts, terrible stories that I wrote when I realised I could use Microsoft Word. And um, I think that idea of the author isn't something that as you grow up, you realise it's not as brilliant or it is not what you thought it was. You know, it's quite hard to make a living as a writer nowadays. You get the big blockbuster writers, like big blockbuster writers, me and Abby both have experience in publishing, so we've sort of seen like the sort of levels of like writerly as a as writing as a career. But it's still the dream of your five year old self. It's still something amazing, you know. I know lots of people are like, "I've got a book in me," but actually honouring that childish side of you and giving yourself a space to create that you don't usually get is a really good part of it. Like, you know, it is always you know, it's like my dream to be a writer. It's like where you are, like everything you're doing is writing like even writing a shopping list is writing writing a caption on an Instagram post is writing like you can still always be honoring your five-year-old selfie that's not like writing a series that sells like a bajillion pounds kind of thing yeah and that's a really nice way to put it because I think ambition sometimes can be a bit of a dirty word with writing and uh that's so that's a really sweet way to put it of like honoring your five-year-old self is um sometimes ambition is so it's not about doing things to impress other people it can be about doing things that are important to you impressing your inner child (laughs) (laughs) being very therapy like what would your inner child say it's like my inner child would be really proud of me and for writing nowadays when I'm a busy person who has to pay like household tax so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so one? nice to just. Oh, sorry, I'm still banging on about dreams, but no, I keep dreaming. No, 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 keep banging on about dreams. No, I was just gonna say. Oh, it's really nice to think about um, 
yeah doing something that I feel like I never think about it this way because oh, I don't know but yeah nice to think about doing something that can be something that you thought about doing forever I mean, I want to be actually, a backup dancer, so I mean, writing is a lot more of an achievable goal for me. No, but this is the thing, Brady. It's still achievable. You can <laughs> be Britney Spears' backup dancer because <laughs> okay. there is a route that you can follow. It will be okay. You go. You need to go into yeah, well, pineapple dance studio. I've done that already. Let's not focus on my dancing career. Let's go back to the ring. Kind of thing. Okay. Do you want to pick one to sort of close out our little lucky dip fabs? Expressing myself about others' opinions rest upon me I like the idea of this goes back to a bit about what we were talking about earlier but expressing yourself giving yourself that space but yeah um being able to being able to decide what you think um I think you that's it there's something about that like sacred space of a blank page where you don't have other people other people's coming in opinion coming in compared to you know you're talking to someone having a conversation it can be difficult to know if you are agreeing with someone just because it's the easiest thing to do but <laughs> giving yourself that space to to work it out yeah there's a couple of sort of around that theme is that of expressing myself about getting interrupted this was also what you're talking about about mm. like having your voice heard and then I mean I'm just cheating by popping another post note in but there's one that says giving myself a space to say the things I wasn't brave enough to say, it means my voice has value. And that's really what it's like all about, isn't it? It's sort of honouring your singular voice, like not having to rely on other people to tell you how to feel about something, working out yourself, not being shouted down in the room or being ignored. Like you're not in the space you create for yourself. It's very much you're in control. It's your time to honour your five-year-old self or to, you know, just have the space and work out something difficult to happen to you that day. It's always about the relationship you have with yourself, I think, writing. That's where it starts. Like, even if you have a brilliant book idea, it's still going to be, you're going to have to be the one to sit down and write it. So you better be okay with, like, writing terrible things and not being horrible to yourself. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. I think it always starts with the self. And I think that's what all these post-it notes sort of talk about, which is really lovely. And so it's always worth reminding, especially when we've done a collection of so many different voices in it. So apparently they're all talking about something that's very personal to them and we're really lucky to be able to share it in the way that we have. Can I ask you a question? Which in brackets we might cut because you ended it in such a real nice way. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you a question anyway. Um, do you, How do you feel now if you like sit down and just like do free writing or whatever, you just like write, blah. do you still feel... You said, maybe you never did but I imagine at some point you felt like cringy about doing the I writing of course of course you're cringy but it's do like, you still feel cringy do you feel yeah. any less cringy I think I feel less cringy I'm going to talk about the dance or being great now but I think doing this has made me feel a lot less cringy because so much about why we exist is to give people the platform to put themselves out there and we're so much about saying just do it just write a thing just send it in it does need to be perfect so that's how I treat other writers and that's what I encourage while I just allow myself to do it it doesn't mean I'm going to share my writing with anyone that's another step that I just really find really struggling to do but then I'm telling everyone else to do it so I should really just do it myself but again I think it is feels cringy like it shouldn't feel cringy but I still think giving yourself that space and also links to that thing of calling yourself a writer like that is always the first step in actually committing to a writing practice of being like no I'm a writer this is what I do and that could feel really cringy if you haven't published anything or if like you're waiting on a submission that keeps getting rejected. 
you still have to sort of honor that relationship you have to yourself and be like no I know what we're doing this is why I'm doing it yeah I'm a writer for me not for anybody else kind of thing but I can say all that and it still isn't not cringy where I'm like just writing my little stories and being like don't know those <laughs> also be like this is terrible oh well shall we keep going like that's just embarrassing really but uh, it's only for me I can be embarrassed for myself I don't need to share with anybody this is my big issue really but I do it just it, it gets a bit less for anybody who's like new uh to writing or like completely new like I does I feel like it gets a little bit less cringy or you just get less em- embarrassed of yourself <laughs> I think the more you do old? It. no maybe I think it's also the more you do it you know, like the more you have something to talk about, like starting a project, embarrassing. Writing a couple of chapters of a project, less embarrassing. Writing your first poem, incredibly cringy. Writing a couple, be like, okay, this is something I'm doing now. And I think inherently our instinct is to be like, oh, people are going to find this so like cringy. It's going to be so embarrassing to share this. But in reality, in most of the situations that we've seen, people share their writing, get a brilliant response. So I think when you've had that like once, then you're like, okay, all right, it's not that bad. Which is why everyone should just do it. Everyone should just write. That's my hot take. Everybody <laughs> should share their writing. Yeah. Everyone should share their writing with us. And we're also really pleased to tell you that we have another So Long As You Write themed event coming up. If you missed the in-person event or couldn't be there for any reason, or you are new to us. Uh, on Monday the 3rd of October um, at 7 o'clock UK time in the evening, what we're going to do is is host a writing workshop with a bit of a difference. So the host of the writing workshop is going to be the much-referenced, brilliant Kerry Ryan. And whether you write to record, discover, to escape, to do any of the things that we've just been talking about, um, we know that when times are tough, the inner critic can really get loud and finding your way to the page can prove really difficult. So Harry and the damsels invite you to join us for this really gentle nurturing workshop where Kerry is going to share tips and tools and strategies on how to shrink your inner critic, uh, get words on the page and really cele- celebrate joy sort of no matter what's going on in our lives and the wider world to celebrate getting words on the page. So it's a two hour workshop and it's really going to be the perfect way to explore your relationship with writing kind of wherever you are on that journey on that relationship. And so it's really suitable to anybody who's new to writing as well as more experienced writers. So um, yeah, come along. We're going to be uh, announcing it soon it will already be announced by the time it will have been announced it will be announced there'll be there'll be a link there'll be a link on the website um (laughs) we'll put that link into the show notes so that we'd we'd really love to see you there and as we've said you know the first step is giving yourself the space to write so we really hope that you come and join us to do just that now we're going to share what you need to know about the damsels and what we've got coming up in the next few weeks so hopefully if you've been inspired by this podcast put some words on the page we're going to see you at the event we just mentioned but we also wanted to tell you that we're launching our next online theme really soon we're going to be looking for stories essays and poems on the theme of ego if you haven't yet sign up to our mailing list and you'll receive the theme letter and you can find all the details on our website but also on our social media too Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can buy your copy of So Long As You Write on deardamsons.com 
Worcester shop and also Waterstones, which is fun. And you can find out information about all of the opportunities um, we've mentioned today and the various different things going on also at our website. And you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Dear Damsels. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd really love to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe, review and rate it. But that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, Abs. Bye, Bry.